You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. We're in studio for this one. We may not be in studio later this week, but we're here now with much to talk about. But right up front, I should acknowledge that 750 is coming up. It is. November 3rd, 2022 is when we'll be live streaming on our Test Drive YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And then that will be published for Friday, November 4th, 2022 as episode number 750. That is all non-car questions. So tee them up. We'd love to... Those get nuts. You know, you, you get to know us a little bit better when we're not yeah. talking about cars. And we kind of find it interesting. It's going to be really cool. That is coming up very soon. We have a really cool topic Tuesday talking about graduated licensing and many things that have been discussed. I feel like in the last two or three weeks, there's been a lot of discussion about changes to how we do licenses and what's going on with cars. We're going to talk about that. We also have a really cool car debate coming up from Sean who wrote into us. He has a bit of a BMW obsession and a new business, so there's much to talk about there. When you want to wash your car but you're short on time, Grios has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse. Try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless PFM spray-on car wash kit from Grios Garage. They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside, or you're an apartment dweller, or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our topic Tuesday is something we have touched on before, Mm -hmm. and it seems like it's back in the news because people have been talking about it for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Here in the United States, we already have graduated licensing. If you think about it, Starting with new drivers, there's already restrictions Mm. on licensing, say, when you're age 16 or before that. There's restrictions on nighttime driving, and you've got passenger restrictions and certainly supervised driving, especially when you're 15 and a half, you can get your permit. Sure, sure. And you need to go with a rental unit. It's like 15 and a half in Montana. Is it really? Yeah. I remember we had that one listener that listened. Oh, that's right. That's right. He was driving at 14 and a half. Anyway. That already exists, but we want to explore it a little bit further and tie it to Horsepower and exotic cars and what we see going on in the roads. I'm sure you guys do too. We've talked about it and many others have talked about it. Many other people that drive the kind of crazy things we drive. And that is we get in a car every now and then. And like Matt Ferris talked about a lot because he's Mm -hmm. in exotics all the time. We get into cars every now and then and we'll drive it and we'll drive it for a day and we'll look at each other and be like, you can just go buy this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You can walk. The only standard for you to get something completely insane performance wise is is having enough cash. And then these are also the people, I mean, we we talked about early on in the years of the podcast, the the McLaren P1 had just come out. Yeah. And a guy in Dallas had one for less than 24 hours because he wrecked it on a Dallas overpass. Because people that have the money to buy these cars rarely have the background to drive them well, but they think, well, I've just got, I've got the money and I went and bought it and it's going to be cool. And they go and they put their foot in it and all of a sudden they put their foot in it, if you know what I mean. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, speaking personally, the last thing I want is more restrictions and rules. That's never Mm. good to try to control. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But when it does come to driving, it just seems like education at a base level, but you can't really force anybody to go get track time or go get educated because not everybody's interested in driving. Mm -hmm. It's just part of life, and it's just part of existence, and I need to have a car, and I need to drive, and so you just do it. So. But you might not be into it at all, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Along with that comes a lack of attention and a lack of interest, I think. I've seen an increase in people looking at their phones while driving. Mm. I, I'm past the point of being enraged because <laughs> what's that going to do? It's sure. Just, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that people are choosing to look at their phones extensively. And I can tell. Yeah, yeah. And you right. think, is that person drunk? Nope. They're looking down at their phone and sure enough, I'll pass them Mm -hmm. and at some point, and I can just see eyes flick down to their Mm -hmm. lap. It's like, you're just staring at your phone. It doesn't help you drive the car. And I ranted about this before, (laughs) but then there's seatbelt usage. Why should this even be a question mark? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. Why should this even be debated anymore? It's not just proven, but race car drivers don't drive around tracks without seatbelts. Well, and they just I, don't. I've told this story before, but I know a couple people, I can think of one specifically I used to work with, who he had three kids and he never ever wore a seatbelt. And he'd gotten used to that. the chime in the car. I can't get over that. We went to lunch one day and he was just used, uh, we're, we're driving down the street and the car is going bing, bing, bing. And I was like, buddy, shouldn't you put your seatbelt on? He's like, oh, I never do. That's not okay. And I was like, besides the fact that my brain kind of seized at that point, I was like, but you're driving around with the beep going on constantly. And yeah. then I happened to find <laughs> there was a company in China for a while selling oh, little yeah, plugs. That. It was just the buckle. It was a buckle with no seatbelt. So you could get like Mickey Mouse on the top or Hello Kitty on the top. It was just this little oh, top thing you could plug into your seatbelt. So the seatbelt didn't know it wasn't plugged in. It stopped the bonging, but you didn't have to wear a seatbelt. I cannot believe this exists. Look, it's very personal to me because my cousin on my dad's side was killed because he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. Mm. It is very personal for me. He was thrown through his windshield oh. while driving his Volkswagen, and he didn't have his seatbelt on. He died. Yeah. It, it's very, oh, very personal to me. It does save lives. But licensing fees, should drivers' licenses cost more money to obtain, or that money make them more difficult to obtain because you need mm. to go through more study, more tests, sure, more driving. Sure. But who administers that? Like, like I said, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to impose more rules and restrictions. That's not about that. But, you know, should track instruction be included as part of licensing? Do we need more racetracks to go help, help people mm. understand the dynamics of a car? Because you can tell, and this is only because, because you and I have done tracking a lot and sure, just have sure. a lot of experience driving, I'm not saying that the, we're the best drivers in the world. It's just no. we've done it extensively sure. yeah, yeah. in many different situations. And you can tell when people are not used to the cornering capabilities of a car. And so they'll mm -hmm. slow down. You're thinking, you know, you can go the speed limit through this corner. Your car will be just fine. Mm -hmm. got, you know, it's a clear, dry day. You don't need to putter <laughs> along like this unless you're deathly afraid of it. But you know what? Your car can do it. And yeah, it's just yeah. you're just not used to the motions of the car mm -hmm. being able to do it. We will get to tires in just a second. <laughs> okay. But... As far as power, I was thinking about exotics in general. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering about this whole discussion leading, will it lead to car manufacturers building lightweight, low power sports cars? Would an increase That'd of driver cool. education and restrictions make lightweight, low power sports cars more accessible because driver's licenses are related specifically to higher horsepower or power to weight? Hmm. Right now, you can buy electric cars with a thousand horsepower. Yeah, absolutely. Do cars need to have a thousand horsepower? Need no, definitely not. If I want a thousand horsepower, why can't I buy a thousand horsepower car? Sure, sure, yeah. But on the other hand, can you handle? Do you know that you can handle? And so yeah. far, I've also mentioned before. Rarely do you meet somebody that will admit being not the greatest driver ever. True, it's a pride thing. True, it's like of course I'm good at driving. No, you're good at steering. Mm. Not hitting anything is not a measure of driver success. <laughs> Going through life without pinballing your way yeah, off of mailboxes and other cars and trash cans is not a measure of how good you are. It just yeah. means you didn't hit anything. That's true. That's but driving true. is very much an actively engaged. It's rider active. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's say we need cars with 1,000 horsepower, and that will continue. Electric mm -hmm. cars. I mean, we hear of a 1,000 horsepower gas-powered car. That's just a lot. Mm -hmm. What do you drag race that thing? Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Many race cars aren't. Most race cars aren't a thousand horsepower. Oh, not even close. Not most Formula of them One are. cars. Yeah, yeah. Or in sure. cars. Yeah. So there will be a lot of electric cars mm -hmm. coming at us that are a thousand plus horsepower. And there's companies out there, tuning companies, their entire business is predicated upon making more horsepower than stock. Mm -hmm. And they're way past a thousand horsepower. And you think, what do you do with that? True. Where do you true, take true. that to go yeah. have fun? And is it that is is that more fun than a seven hundred horsepower car? <laughs> How much? What percentage more fun are you having by having over a thousand horsepower? A thousand horsepower is awesome. Yeah, you're talking about the Ram TRX, and then it goes to Hennessy, and it comes back with three hundred more horsepower. And you're never going to get in a Ram TRX and be like, "This is just slow." You know, if this only had just a Touch I just, more it's power. slow. I mean, that was the guy that I saw years ago at the Cars and Coffee that had a brand new Corvette Z06. This was the C7 generation when the Z06 had just come out. It was one of the first one I'd seen in the wild. And he pulled into Cars and Coffee and he popped the hood. And besides having a mural <laughs> under the hood, <laughs> right. he had a supercharger. And I asked him if he drove it before. And he was like, no. He just sent it directly to get super. I was like, but it, you know, you understand it comes with 650 horsepower and torque, right? That, that's from mm -hmm. the factory. Mm -hmm. So it, 
the fact that you're running eight nine hundred now with six fifty, you'd never even drove it. How does that make it better? I Side had note. my yes <laughs> my nine twenty eight at the shop recently. I uh-huh. needed to take it back yeah, yeah. in for some fine tuning things. Uh huh. Road tripping. And one of the mechanics there was talking about, hey, you know, you want to do stuff to your car? I was like, no, I want it to run perfectly. I want it to run stock <laughs> You're right. at its two hundred and thirty four horsepower. Yeah. I like it at that. Mm-hmm. It's not the fastest thing ever, but I do like driving it. It's got decent yeah. pickup. Yeah, yeah. And it's still a V8. It's still a high-performance engine. The way it's built and the mm-hmm. way it operates, it's still a high-performance Porsche motor. And it feels like that. The way it makes power. Mm-hmm. makes good power and torque. It's low numbers. And, of course, I want more power. I love more power. Yeah, we yeah. get an AMG anything, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, the power's intoxicating. It's yeah, so it great. It is. But he said, well, you know, you can do that same thing with 600 horsepower. And I'm just going, why? And, and I kind of said, why would I do that? And he just looked at me like I had a third ear growing out of my forehead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, I, Todd and I take our cars on road trips. You know, mm-hmm. we're filming with them. Yeah. He said, well, you can do that with 600 horsepower. Like, well, yeah, but why? Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me. Yeah. It was so funny. And like I said, I'm trying to play both sides here. Sure. In sure. my comments, because I want more horsepower. I love cars with a lot of power. It's amazing. And electric cars are taking us to this ad infinitum you're right. levels you're right. of yeah, yeah. power. Craziness, yeah. We see a lot of wrecked cars. You think, you know, everybody likes mm-hmm. to think, well, I could have handled that. Maybe not. Yeah, true. You know, in the, given the circumstances, maybe not. Maybe you might have crashed too. Can you handle that much power? Well, and electrics are interesting because electrics is the first time that crazy horsepower is winding up owned by people that aren't that interested in driving. I mean, yes. you, you think about it going back. If you weren't interested in driving, you didn't buy the high performance version. You just bought car. But it's a selling point. Mm-hmm. It's what you want. It's, it's you, more. Almost anybody that is not interested in driving, if they buy their first electric car, it's probably going to be the most powerful, fastest thing they've ever driven instantly. And it's not because they went in search of super high horsepower and fast. Mm-hmm. It's the fact of that instant torque off the line. That is something that people are going to have to adjust to. And I think a lot of people are going to adjust to it badly, which brings me back to where we started, which was the licensing thing. I hear you. I don't really want more restrictions, restrictions we don't currently have. Agreed. However, it's like that joke, you know, don't be the person that makes us create more rules. Yes, exactly. Don't be that person. One of my favorite things we ever heard at Rally Ready was don't be the person that makes us make more rules. I love that. That's like, like a new it's life true. lesson It applies me. here. For sure. But on the other end of the spectrum, we are getting into, with these exotics and things like the Hummer EV, that I, I was by one of the recent Cars and Coffee. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. genuinely massive. Yeah. And when I stood by that and I thought about how fast it propels itself down the road, I really was aware, As and this is going to sound weird, I was suddenly aware of the fact that I drive a Lotus. And I just thought, this is a house yeah. hurtling down the road. And I'm yeah. in a tiny little thing. I wasn't at that time, but I just thought about the juxtaposition there. Yeah. Because I'm always most aware of the Lotus when I'm behind some big dually pickup at a light. I'm like, I'm looking at d- differential. That's just right outside my glass. Mm-hmm. So this, but this Hummer is, it's immense, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is staggeringly powerful and capable. And I did wonder about when you get a car like that, if you're a car person, you're going to want to floor it. You're going to want to show it to friends when you floor it. Is that okay? Is that going to work? So what I wonder about is back to where you were on more driver instruction. Mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to have a graduated license situation. We've touched on this before. If that didn't restrict you, but it allowed you things. Uh, so, allowed you to do what? Well, for example, the average exotic car owner likes to register their car in Montana because they can avoid taxes with a bunch of loopholes. Okay, right, right. So you see random exotic owners that have maybe even never been to Montana with a car registered in Montana. Mm-hmm. If you were a random exotic owner, but there was a way for you to get a, a license that allowed you to drive that car at any time, 20, 30 miles an hour above the speed limit. But in order to get that license, you had to get more training. How many more exotic owners or EV owners or whatever would we have who would be better trained because the training allowed them a different license that allowed them to do other things? I mean, I'd love to have that license, but the problem is everybody who doesn't have that license that is, the problem. is not ready for you. Yeah, that is the problem. And the unpredictable nature of drivers mm-hmm. means... Okay, you're going 20, 30 miles an hour faster than someone else yes. in a car that can handle the speed and the braking power. Mm-hmm. And you as a driver are trained and you're ready for it. But you're not ready for the unexpected. Some driver pulls out, somebody who's just not into driving, doesn't know really yeah. know what they're doing. Maybe they're a new driver, maybe they're just an inattentive driver. Mm-hmm. And something happens 
you're now legally going way faster. Yeah, that's only a, destruction this is the happens. Question. This is the question. I mean, we, so it, nobody benefited. Yeah, uh, sadly. I mean, that, <laughs> right. that is the only way that I think a graduated license works is if it allows you an extra thing. It would be almost like having, we don't need more lanes, but it'd be almost like having an HOV line that, that is for certain kinds of licensed drivers. And I hate to say this, but I think probably in our lifetime, but not anytime soon, by the way, we're headed there with electric cars. I think there's going to be like in congested city areas. I think there's going to be, this is an EV only area. This is an area where you can drive EVs or standard cars in these lanes or whatever. If we ever get to anything that resembles autonomy, I could see autonomous only lanes, that kind of stuff. Sure. But it's that kind of thinking for exotic cars. But this leads us all back around, at least in my mind, to what's going on in Germany. Okay. Where you have yeah. de-restricted roads. Now, right. de-restricted means there, there is no restriction on your speed, theoretically. Yeah, there was a guy in a Bugatti, and they got a little mad at him. But <laughs> That's true. They, yeah, they did get they, a little they, they, they were a little They were a little frustrated because <laughs> yeah. he was technically legal, but still that was, that was egregious. Anyway, yeah, but yeah. The, the difference in Germany is theoretically everybody on the road has had better training. And to what you just said, you still can be thundering along in the left lane going as fast as you would like, and you actually don't have a fast Audi behind you. You are the big dog. <laughs> you are the fast the Audi. Germ- <laughs> exactly. On the Autobahn in Germany, and invariably, because they have to, one semi pulls into the left lane to pass another semi. Now, they're all licensed drivers. That's what the trucker has to do to get around his buddy. But now you have got to be hard on the brakes mm-hmm. because the semi pulled out. I feel like we are dealing in a world of cars that are way beyond our roads. Forget our licensing for a second. Way beyond our roads. Fair. To that point, whenever we're in Germany, the procedures and the rules of the road really resonate with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the de-restricted lanes and because of the high precision, high horsepower, very fast cars that exist there. Not that they don't in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And not that they don't anywhere else. In the sure, time, But sure. There's, there's a concentration of a lot of very high-powered, very precise cars. And the drivers to go with it. And it just, every time we go, it, it strikes me as this just works. This just, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. it seems to work. When we come There's back, accidents. we're very well aware of how well it worked. <laughs> but an example is people look in the rearview mirror and they get out of your way. They mm-hmm. pull over into the, out of the passing lane. And they just let you by with no frustration. There, there's no anger. Mm-hmm. There's no trying to get back at you. It's not an there's ego no thing. retribution. You're right. People That's a just good point. get out of your way, and you're like, "Great, thanks." If that were you, I'd do the same for you. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. seems to be, at least in the U.S., I constantly experience drivers who are just vindictive. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I want to pass is just beyond the pale. How dare I yeah. want to pass you? What are you thinking? And when I do go around in the right lane, because I want to pass you, I'm in a car that can handle it and yeah. I want to pass you. There's just meltdown, volcanic eruption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm angry. What? Why? Why? I just want to pass. That's it. Yeah. So when we're in Germany, I feel like things just, work it's it's magic <laughs> but there's a lot of procedures there's a lot of rules and the expense of getting a license and the training involved is far greater than it is in the u.s true the ability to the study the the level of driving mm-hmm. skill that you must exhibit and the knowledge you must exhibit it just seems like it's too easy to go get a license in the u.s it just it just seems too easy because you know even we're kind of lenient on well you can get like seven out of ten no, it should be 10 out of 10. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I get why, that as why, example. But yeah, why couldn't you do the things that we asked you to do it, if it you were to drive away? Right. It can't I mean, just be cl- close. You know, we're, It's not yeah. hand grenades and horseshoes. <laughs> <laughs> the driver's life license loop is never as difficult as you think it will be. And then in Germany, the privilege is, if you would like to, there's sections that are de-restricted. And if you mm-hmm. have the car and the pocketbook to afford the gas that you're burning, great. Mm-hmm. Have at it. And you're... You're hyper aware. You're very focused. You're hopefully not looking at your phone, not drinking anything. Yeah, this is why cars in the German cars in the '80s had no cup holders because why would you want to what, be drinking? What are you anything talking when about? You're what driving fast? <laughs> what are you thinking? Drinking? You're right. Why, no. Why do you have a hand on a drink? Don't you have to shift? <laughs> What's have to going shift on? Or yeah. Pay attention to how yeah. fast they're going. So that privilege goes along with the cost, the cost of tickets, mm-hmm. because. There's no officers by the side of the road. Thank it's you for all touching on that. Cameras. that. That's fascinating because I've also thought about that. When we go to Germany, we are almost we're almost at a hundred percent between you and I. When we go to Germany, of getting a ticket in the mail afterward, we're almost hundred percent. Because 100%, and, and, yeah. and not please don't misunderstand me. Not because we were bombing down the autobahn because we were bombing down the autobahn, <laughs> but because we entered some area 
that got really restrictive and had speed cameras. And it says you need to be doing 60 kilometers an hour. And we were doing 70, which for us in American thinking is I'm doing 70. No, no, no. You will right. get a ticket for doing 70. Yeah. You we either weren't doing it or we didn't get down to the sp- yes. exact speed limit soon enough. Mm-hmm. And then the cameras came by and then flash. Yep. They got you. Yep. Here's my picture. There I am. There, look, I what really was doing 70. Yes. And it's, and it's weird also because we get them. Obviously, they're sent to us eventually. They, they trickle their weight. They find us. And then we just pay the fine. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that flippantly, but it is interesting to see that I, I wasn't pulled over by an officer. Yes, I was over the speed limit. You can prove it. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's plenty of restriction that makes me want to take this seriously. And then there's this other section where it's like, you want to go? Go. Yes. And- I'm not saying Germany's speed limits and roads are a perfect system. Fair, fair. But the roads are dramatically better Mm -hmm. in Germany. They actually use more road base, and the roads are actually thicker, so it causes less frost heaves, Mm. and the roads remain smooth, and they're slightly banked, and the curves are not quite as dramatic. So you can carry 150 miles an hour through what looks like a, a sharp curve, Actually, you know, it's a nice gradual banked sweeper. <laughs> it's only a sharp curve because you're doing 160. <laughs> well, yeah, it's only sharp because you're doing 160 plus. But yeah. still, the roads are designed for this kind of thinking. Yeah. So it matches the kind of speed. And there's legislators that have talked about abolishing the de-restricted zones mm-hmm. in Germany for various reasons. Yeah. And like I said, it's not a perfect system, but it seems to work because of procedures. And everybody mm. really follows that far more closely than they do in the U S they get out of the way, just pull, you know, over constantly check your rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. They're uh, adhering what they've learned because the penalties for screwing up either financial or crashing are so severe mm. because of the higher speeds involved. But what I noticed this whole system does in Germany, it's sort of like, lets you get it out. It lets you get the speed thing out. Sure. sure. Everybody yeah wants to go fast. Everybody has the speed thing in them. We want speed. Mm -hmm. I've got to feel that. It's sort of cleansing. It's exciting. The fact that you can handle a car, a car will do this. It's great. It's a lot of fun driving fast. Oh, completely. So it sort of gets it out, sort of cleansing this nice feeling. I held 150 miles an hour for 20 minutes back there. That was great. I just, I feel better about myself and I just really enjoy that. And now I'm, I'm content to putter along at 60 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Because I just had the opportunity and the privilege to go fast. So I got it out of my system. Whereas in the US, the constant oh, 55 miles an hour and you were going 66 or 67. Yeah. And you're dinged. They got you. Yeah. But it didn't, the car was fine. The conditions were great. And it's not that much faster, but nope. You didn't obey the speed limit. We're not allowing the speed We don't have thing. anywhere to, to, to work that out. Yeah, sure. But does that mean, when we were in Germany, we got to talk with Tom. I believe he had just driven a Pininfarina Batista. Yeah. And the way he opened the sentence is the title of the episode. The thing about 1900 horsepower, guys, <laughs> he just launched into the subject with that. Yeah. And it was hilarious. And we're like, no, 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 you got to start over. Tell us. And so that's the title of the podcast. Yeah. The thing yeah. about 1900 horsepower. And he's like, Nobody really needs of course not horsepower. Of That's course not. So my question is, will these hugely high horsepower cars come with a graduated license, mm. much like a high-end home already comes with the country club membership in the purchase price of the home? Oh, I see where you're going. If we decide, yeah. okay, graduated license is a great idea. Let's do this. And now the car manufacturers will include, oh, for an extra fee or, you know, the, the cost sure, went up sure. and here's your cool new license to go along with the car because it's a horsepower based license. Mm. doesn't mean you're any better at driving. It just means now you have See, the license mm. because it was included just like the country club membership with Terrifying. your high end home. Terrifying. I, I, I see, the, I see the logic. Well, that there. didn't I mean, work. Ultimately, I feel like the thing we keep circling and, and I would love to get our infrastructure better so that they could even handle more speeds. And I'd love to have all this stuff happen. I would love to have a graduated thing that allowed you. Here's your fast lanes. I'd love that. The de-restricted idea. There's plenty of places in the U.S. where a de-restricted road would work geographically. What are we, Much what of are the we West. bothering here? Let's go fast. Yes. But I all think of Nevada. The thing we keep Much saying. of Utah. Yes. The, the key- entire state of Montana. All of Wyoming. Yes. Yeah, huge stretches of Wyoming. Huge stretches of Idaho, parts yes. of Oregon. Yes. The, Northern the, California. The key thing here is I, I think even before a layer of licensing, it would be everybody should require more training. And I also think, because you also, here's the other thing that happens. You get your license at 16. Mm-hmm. 
when do you get checked again? Pretty much never. Pretty much never. Unless you get glasses or something. But even then, I don't yeah. think they check. So, so or, or you move states, and now you have to make sure, sure you get your license. But if you stay in the state that gave you your license, you may never be checked again. That's mm. weird to me. Mm-hmm. Because until you die. Right? Yeah, until, until somebody in your family takes your keys away. That's literally, that's, that's yeah. reality. Now, there, there are, I know there are restrictions for you have to get your eyesight checked when you get to certain ages, and you have to be able, I, I've seen that happen. But until you get old enough, nobody even asks. You just go in and get the license again. Yeah. There should be some sort of checks between 16 and 66, okay? There's, that's, that's a span, folks. I'm not good at math, but that's a while, okay? <laughs> There's some sort of check about what we're doing. And I think there should be more testing and more training required to get it in the first place because then that theoretically elevates everybody as far as capability. The concern that I have about that idea is it would obviously cost more and now you're taking some people out of the equation. So you, you have you have a cost reality here that, that could be a barrier and that is the only good thing about our everybody gets a license approaches. It's not expensive to get a license in the US. It can be no. it can be restrictively expensive in places like Germany. But having everybody have some sort of layer of base training because we kind of don't currently. There's the blinkers, there's the gas pedal, hit the brake on a different time. I'll be sure you uh, Turn your blinker, which you then forget. We're mm-hmm. going to teach you how to parallel park, which you may never need. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a weird list right now. It and and driving dynamics are never on the list. The thing I'm continually surprised by that Finland is a great example. Okay, Finland teaches you stuff about driving on ice. Most people will never understand or feel what their car feels like at the edge of grip or at its limits until something goes catastrophically wrong. Why is there not anything in our driver's testing that makes a car get out of control? We've done the, the drift rigs that they do mm-hmm. and the, where mm-hmm. they lift the car up and it will automatically drift or act like it's on ice and you're going 20 in a parking lot. We've done that at track days. And it's fascinating to see how you respond incorrectly. You just <laughs> right. Get, I, I had an instructor yell at me once, why are you looking at me? <laughs> Because when the car went wrong, I happened to look his way. He's like, "Why are you looking at me?" <laughs> that's you know, fantastic. Because you're like, "That's uh, that's the exact wrong place." But that was just my instinct. The first time it went wrong, I looked at him. He's like, "What are you doing?" I, I I hate to have all of us be driving out there, and the first time we understand how a car goes wrong is when it's going wrong on a road with people. Why is that not part of it? I mean, you would think. I mean, I'm totally biased. I'm a car nut. People who introduce me to other people say, "This is Paul. He's a." He's a car guy. And I say, no, I'm a car super freak. Yeah, seriously. And everybody laughs. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Really. Take a couple minutes. You'll agree. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no desire to learn that. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of interest. And so either it has to be a requirement. It has to be required, yeah. Which, you know, I don't love adding regulations and rules. I don't want that. I would think there'd be this interest and this excitement about learning about the machine that you're piloting. To understand how to do better instead of the speed limits are so low, I'm bored. I think I'll look at my phone and take a sip of coke. Whoa, somebody pulled out. Yeah, yeah. I think the speed limits are too low. What if they were faster? Then we'd be entertained. Maybe. But that's maybe not a good idea. Like I said, I'm playing both sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, will future autonomous cars make all those cowboys who want to get their own license and drive themselves like, whoa, you're... You're a daredevil. You you have a driver's license? I do wonder about wow. that. You're right. That is a question. You, you cowboy, you. This brings us to tires. Yeah. Clearly, this is a topic, by the way, that we're going to solve this podcast. We're going to solve. All the answers are, are world right here in this podcast. World peace is next, everyone. Yes, it, right that'll after be this. next week. That's actually what we're going to do at 750, <laughs> just solve world peace. Tuesday. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Right. How would you guys solve world peace? And in 20 minutes, we'll be done. That'll be great. Have you noticed, everyone listening, that nobody ever teaches you about tires true you learn from your uncle or your dad or your mom or your sister or your older brother or a friend who taught you or you've wondered what all season is and the words all season you think okay well i live in a place with seasons that must mean my tires are good it says all <laughs> this the seasons, for all seasons you all should be fine so far everybody's counted four up to now so that means all of them <laughs> and that must mean they're we're good for all seasons and then you hear the word all weather. What's all weather? What's the yeah, difference? Yeah. And then you talk about people say snow tires when they really mean winter tires yeah. because of virtue of temperature, yes. not snow. Yes. doesn't matter if there's ice and snow. What matters is the outside temps. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about all these different tires and, okay, you, you kind of feel something. It's dramatic. Mm. 
There's not even a contest. It's not even close, but nobody teaches anybody else. There's no class in school. Driver's Ed doesn't include any section about tires and what to look for and what brands to choose and what's good and mm. what's not and how do you decide. And The only instruction on tires we get is if it's flat, here's how you change it. Yes. Maybe, maybe, because it might just be if it's flat, call AAA. I mean, but it's literally like, is it round and currently holding air or is it flat and you need to pull off the side of the road? This is the end of most tire instruction. But if we force people to learn about tires, how boring. Ugh, I got to go through t- tires. <laughs> tire they're school. They're all the same. They're black and they're full of air, right? They're all the same, right? <laughs> Actually not. But nobody wants to sit through PowerPoints on compound and temperature and (laughs) siping and tread life and channels of water. And so the only thing that people know about is advertising, tire advertising. Yeah, that's fair. This channels water better than the competitor. That's all you see. And you think that must mean it's good. And I, I'll, I'll be set for life with those tires until they wear out. Have, have, has everybody listening had this experience? Have you been to one of those tire stores that they, they exist to put tires on your car? Mm-hmm. And invariably, either, you, either it's happened to you, and it may have, or it's happened to somebody you've heard around you, where they go up to the desk and they need tires. They don't even really know what size. They just need tires. So somebody finds out the size. The black donuts Seriously. that I roll around somebody on. Somebody finds out the size. And the tire person at the desk with their computer looks up the tire that came from the factory on that car. Mm-hmm. And invariably they say, we don't stock that tire. But we have this brand who person across the desk has never heard of mm-hmm. that's similar to the tire you're talking about. And what does the person across the desk buying a tire say? Okay. There's also a level of distrust. Because the person buying, mm-hmm. the customer, maybe they don't know anything about tires. Yeah. And they're listening to salesperson give them yeah. this whole thing. Do you want the warranty? Do you want the siping? Do you want the extra mm-hmm. you know, roadside? Do you want full replacement if you get a flat? Well, I don't know. I, you're just trying to make more money. You're just trying to upsell me right now. I just need tires. Just give me good tires. Yeah. What are good tires? It's like when you walk into a restaurant, I don't know much about wine. Just bring me a glass of delicious wine to drink. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Same kind of thing. So there's, a, I think, a level of, I don't really trust you because you're trying to scam me. You're trying to get more money sure. out of my wallet. But in as a matter of fact, the person who works at the tire shop does know a lot. Hopefully. And they're just trying to help. I mean, yeah, it costs money, but I'm really trying to help you put good tires on your car because, look, it's raining and snowy outside. Yeah. I want you to be safe. That costs money. Mm-hmm. Let's work with your budget. Okay, maybe you can't afford that brand, but here's a similar brand, and maybe that'll work for your budget and get you a good tire. And nobody wants to spend money on tires. It's almost offensive. It, it is. Well, to the point that you hear people, again, I'm at the tire store, the number of people that will buy a tire based on, well, you know, this one, that one that you're looking at, that's good, but it's got a 30,000-mile warranty. This one over here has a 60,000-mile warranty. Right. But which one's the better tire I, but we think 60,000 well then I don't have to I don't have to come see you again for 60,000 miles I want that tire but that might be the worst tire you've ever driven on yeah it might be terrible for everything you need but it's got a 60,000 mile warranty which means thank god I don't have to go back to the tire store for 60,000 miles my sister has accurately said this about me she's told other people like when paul gets injured he's just offended it's a, <laughs> It's his own fault. I'm like, well, yeah, you're right. But <laughs> he's like offended that he got cut or uh, broke a bone or something. It's his own stupid fault. That's very funny. And she's right. It's same with tires. We're buying tires. and ugh, These things wear out. What do you mean they wore out and I have to pay money to buy more tires? We've also heard of people. This is a Park City problem. We've heard of people that took their car in for tires and ended up just buying a new car at the dealer. happened. Because they had the uh, yeah. liquidity to do it, and they were looking around, and they were like, well, it's in for tires, and they're, gonna, and they're asking me to do that. that and a, I could that just get rock, this new one. That was a rock chip through a radiator in the front of a Porsche 911, though. We, we heard one of those, too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, I'm here. I'll just buy it. You know, the Left radiator. new car. I mean, this is, this is, to your point, this is how offensive tire purchasing is to yes. people. Yeah. But it's so important, and mm-hmm. nobody's willing to be educated or go get education about tires. And so it's we all hear it from friends and family. And okay, I've tried those tires, and those they didn't last as long as I thought they would. And I guess I'll try this brand over here. And so we're just constantly trying different things, <laughs> it's like a dartboard for tires. It kind of is. <laughs> so that must be included as part of this education. But let's say again, 
you're fully educated on tires, you drive a McLaren, you have the graduated license, you're at the top tier, mm-hmm. you've paid all the money, your insurance company has given you a discount because you've, you've done elected all the to get all this stuff. Yep, yep. Doesn't solve the problem. Somebody's still going to do something stupid in front of you. <laughs> it's right. all about the choices. You're right. You're going to look at their phone and be too busy and distracted by something. Bam, you're in the back of them at 30 miles an hour oh. of the speed limit. You know, I, this reminds me of something that I have noticed in the de-restricted areas of Germany. And I don't, I, I'm wondering if it's a combination of the way cars feel at speed and the way the roads are designed in Germany. But I think you've probably noticed this too. When the road goes de-restricted and you can ever go however fast you want, there's three categories of people. There's people that are going genuinely slow. Not any faster than went like it was it was eighty kilometers an hour and it's now gone to whatever you want to do and they're still going eighty. They just they're staying in the right lane, mm-hmm. they stay out of the way. They stay out of the way. There's though. those folks. Yeah. Okay. There's the middle fo- I mean, there's us, the crazy idiots from America that want to go as fast as possible. But the but the vast majority <laughs> exactly. of people, unless they're driving a semi, are doing hundred, hundred and ten. Mm-hmm. A, and a good enough clip to general, get you somewhere. In general, yeah. the, the, the mass of people, if you will, rarely gets over that. Right. So everybody got faster. We were, doing, we were doing less a minute ago. Everybody got faster. But there's this kind of general consensus that, you know, easy. Everybody, you're there. I'm here. We're all doing about 110. That's enough. That's enough. I've noticed that every time we've gone, that the general public gets up to faster speed and then just kind of hangs out there. I always thought when we went that as soon as it was de-restricted, it was like a fight for the left lane. Like, Me too. We're all going left lane. And the only reason I got Why over wouldn't you? is because I'm doing 150 and you're doing 170. And that's not the case. 100, 110, everybody's just kind of that's the consensus. And we're fast enough. And I wonder what that is for U.S. drivers because I have to believe that still exists. There'll still be idiots like us, but I have to believe there's a general speed that everybody would just kind of in mass do that speed. I think I have an answer. Okay. By giving everybody in Germany the choice to go as fast as you want, people choose to go middle speed. <laughs> Fair. Yes. Whereas if I show you something, a product, a car, and say, Mm. here's this cool thing. You can't have it. Yes. What do you want? I want that thing now. Yeah. Here's the cool new thing. You can't have it. Look at this delicious food. You're right. Here's some, mm, smell that delicious food. You can't have it. Well, I want it. <laughs> this is posted 80 miles an hour. I could do 90. If the speed limits were de-restricted yeah, zones. That's fascinating. What if people would now choose to not go fast? Because that's what you identified. Most of the residents who live in Germany... They're choosing not to go for a variety of reasons. You know what? I'm going fast enough. My car really isn't the fast Audi. I don't want to burn through that much gasoline Mm -hmm. and we're good. Or even an electric car. There's fast electric cars. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm good at 90 or a hundred. We're good. I don't need to max it out. I'll just, you know, I've got a distance to go. So we'll just, we'll be cool. We'll be middle ground. (laughs) The restriction is almost making people more hair on fire. That's an interesting thought. Whereas in the U S the speed limit is 65. But I can go like 80. No problem. Yeah. Nope. But I can. Nope. I'm going to go until you catch me. <laughs> That's kind of the mentality. And yeah, therefore, for sure it's it is. pay to play. Yeah. It's the opposite pay to play in Germany. You're paying up front regardless. That's a good point. And if you want to pay more, sure, you can go faster. The stakes are higher. Yeah. But it's your choice. You're putting that choice mm. in the hands of the people rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. saying you can't look at this awesome road. There's no cops for about three hours <laughs> and it's flat and smooth and it's hot and dry and nothing will happen. Nope. 65. <laughs> 65. What? Yeah. That's funny. It's a good point. What do we do about that? We're not solving anything, but I feel like this is one of those topics that we and all of you listening can circle forever. And I so wish we'll find an answer. I don't know what it's going to be, but I, I'm, I'm going to stand on more training and more regular training, I think, is step one. Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun, and it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new as well as complementing your interior. 
These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at everydaydriver.com or navigate directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. We are still going to have a car debate on this massively long wow, podcast. I just looked at the time. That's yeah, amazing. Exactly. It went by. Sean's writing in. He has career choices and trade-offs to discuss from the East Coast. Sean, thanks for your letter. Really appreciate it. He dies right in by saying he's 39 years old and turn, turning 40 in March. His automotive history includes many BMWs. Many. Sean is a BMW super freak. I yes. think he would admit to that if he were yeah, here. I think so, too. If we were talking to them. Mm-hmm. He's had Subarus and Hondas and a Mitsubishi Eclipse GST and a Ford Raptor. Mm-hmm. Ooh. He thought, hey, like, I, maybe I need a truck. I'm, I'm a family man now. Yeah. He says he bought his 2007 335i in 2011, traded in a Civic Si, did a lot of things to it, and then they started their family. He and his wife had their first son in October 2015, and then when, with a two-year-old in tow and another boy in the way, they decided to move on from the BMW and get a truck. <laughs> so they got a Ford Raptor because they liked standing up in the back, changing diapers with the doors closed. <laughs> but he also just thought, if I'm going to get a truck, I should get a truck. That's right. The Raptor is the answer. <laughs> yeah. Sean was working from home two times a week, and his commute to the office was 10 miles one way, so that about 13 miles to the gallon for the <laughs> truck was something he thought he could live with. Uh-huh. But after nine or 10 months... As much as they loved that truck, he missed driving his BMW, Mm. especially manual transmissions. One night, he was across the street at his neighbor's house, who was a car guy. They were sitting in his garage watching car videos on YouTube, and they started watching videos of the E46 M3. Uh Uh-oh. He said, this is a car I've always wanted. Fast forward four months, and he got one, an 05 BMW M3. Mm. He had a PPI performed on it. He had it transported, bought the car. But while all that was happening, he needed a new daily. Because this isn't the daily. Mm -hmm. By the way, side note, those cars are so good and now so valuable, the prices are absolutely skyrocketing. They're they're flying up. Are those investment cars? And by the way, we're going to need mechanics to keep them running and keep them going. And Mm -hmm. they can't sit. you got to drive the cars. That that era, that E46 M3, is, is believed by most and championed by all as the definitive BMW. For sure. So it has the straight six. It has the good looks. It's two door only. It has hydraulic steering. It is it is peak BMW if you would like to it's go definitive, there. Definitive, you're right. And so that I mean, even though you and I are big fans of the E90 that came after it, we, mm-hmm. we've driven all the M3s. We we liked a lot of them for a lot of different reasons. I'm a huge fan of the One M, as I know you are as well. But that E46 has just it's been canonized, like the it's fourth big. gen Supra. <laughs> This is this is what this car is supposed to be. We dipped the steering in bronze. I yes, don't know how you do that. But yes, we did. So the su- the, fourth, the fourth gen Supra, the Fast and Furious Supra, that's what all Supras are supposed to be, which uh-huh. is why everybody screams 2JZ. Right. Okay, which is a stupid line out of the movie that now has also been canonized. The E46 M3 <laughs> is what all M3s are supposed to be. I mean, these cars do happen in lineups where it just becomes, this is what it's supposed to be. And so that E46, you're right, is only going up. He found one. That is his never-going-anywhere car, except for when he drives it. It's in his life, and it's perfect. Well, that just means he needed a new daily. And not knowing what he wanted, he decided to try his first-ever lease. The Minister of Finance was fine with Sean having two vehicles as long as the combined cost did not exceed what he had been paying on the Raptor. So the combined cost of owning the BMW and leasing the new car. leasing the new one. Okay. So he went after an Accord. He got a 2018 Accord Sport 1.5 in Still Night Pearl. He said he should have gone with a 2.0 because of the CVT, <laughs> which was the first one, and he mm, regretted it. Yeah. But he said it was great and served its purpose. But after the lease, he really needed something, and it was back to BMW. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly. CV, that CVT drove him back to BMW. That's really what <laughs> happened. Yeah. So he got the G20 M340i. Okay. Everything was great. 
He lucked out because of the dealership. He got ten grand off MSRP back when he was looking and shopping in early 2020. It sounds it, like it's when the the, the it is before that everything blew up. It's when all no one was buying cars. There was that six week period, two month period when COVID yeah, first happened, and nobody right. bought a thing, and the dealers were just like tumbleweeds rolling through. That's when he bought a car. Wow, dealers were desperate for sales. He said, but he opted to lease the M340i mainly to make the monthly numbers work a bit better for he and his wife. And so he got a 2021 M340i in Portimao Blue over Cognac. Okay, sounds cool. Delish. He loves the styling. He adored this car, and it was the perfect daily. 382 horsepower for when he needed it. Well, that's just it. We had a whole discussion on horsepower. <laughs> 382 is a lot. That's a good amount. On yes. paper, compared to a 1,000 horsepower car, that's a third. Yeah. Any, any, sorry, newsflash, if you haven't heard this yet, you probably have. Anything over 500 is an unusable amount of horsepower. You will rarely ever use it. Anyway, side note. Well, he got rid of it and inexplicably moved on to an 06 Lexus GX470. Curveball, yes. Well, it's not inexplicable because he had a bit of a midlife crisis and he decided he needed a change from his IT career. And discovered dry ice cleaning, and so he opened a dry ice cleaning business. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is, imagine a pressure washer, but it's spraying dry ice. That's the, that's the simplest way I can think of to describe it. This is a very specialized machine, but as a result of this, you can clean the underside of a, of a car, any car part that gets greasy, oily, that just usage. Yes. You can clean it back to its original Form its original it quality. Looks it's brand new. unbelievable what this does. This is becoming a thing. Our friends at Grios Garage have got one at Grios Motors, and yep. they have yep. honestly they're like backed up six months with people on the books trying to get their Porsches clean because apparently it's become a thing in Seattle. If you have a Porsche, you have to go to Grios and get it clean. Of course, because of course you do. But but this is definitely something. He has started a company in his area in Massachusetts. He is in the Boston area, and he has started this enticed garage. The ice is in the middle of there. If you look at that nice. word written out. Nice. And that is what he's now doing as something that he loves. Well, he needed to make an adult decision. Mm -hmm. So he decided the M340i was a luxury he didn't need and sold it back to the dealership that he leased it from a year to the day that he took delivery. And he made five grand because, again, they didn't have inventory now at that time. Now they want cars, yeah, for sure. At first they couldn't sell them, and now they didn't have inventory. Sean, you did it exactly you, right. You, if you couldn't were to have buy and it, sell. Yeah. You did it perfectly. Yeah. And so he thought, all right, I have a business. I need to haul stuff. What's a reliable SUV? And his buddy recommended, same buddy car guy, recommended the GX470. He thought, oh, Lexus, SUV, perfect. Going to be great. I want to stop here. He went <laughs> okay. from a BMW, yeah, yeah. which has a reliability, um, questionable reputation, and he bought himself a used 2006 Lexus. And he proceeded to have... Nothing but problems with it. My only point here is I'm, I'm not actually throwing shade either direction. I'm just saying no car will always live up to the rep. His That's BMWs were fine. Granted, one of his BMWs was new, but his E46 has been great to him. He had a GX470 2006. That should be pretty much a bulletproof automobile, and his was constant problems. It left him stranded two miles from home in a Walmart parking lot. And even though Sean can do suspension and brakes and oil changes, the basics, he doesn't have the time or patience to deal with old car problems, especially ones that have a transmission fluid leak and a lot of rust and needed wheel bearings and a new starter. <laughs> it's endless. You're right. Cars just need stuff. So at this point, he needs something newer with a warranty. And he realizes after two goes, you know, he had a couple of, yeah, you know, shovel shot at it. This. Yeah, for sure. He's not a truck guy. Mm -hmm. So... The business is going good. He loves his new business and he loves the flexibility it provides for his two young children. He's got one in daycare and one in first grade, but it allows him to work from home full time. And he says, while it doesn't pay all that well, he's got pretty excellent hours from 6.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. and a lot of flexibility in terms of coming and going. So he's been shopping. He's looked at vehicles and he has decided he wants a BMW again. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> now, keep in mind that E46 is still around. Okay, he's got a picture of it outside his garage at his actual business. Okay, that E46 is still very much in his life. So this is just the hauling reliable dad car, but he would like it to still be fun because this is what we do here. But he does still have. Yeah. I, I want to. I, I want to make a real point on the fact that Sean, who loves BMWs, 
currently has a BMW. <laughs> I want to make sure we're all clear, including yeah. you, Sean. You have the definitive BMW already. I have sympathy for you. I know it's me with Porsches. Just true. because I have That's one true. doesn't prevent me from wanting another this one. Is, this is a true disease problem, yes. Sean, I get it. I definitely understand. He's looking to stay under $55,000, and while he's leaning towards another M340i, he says he That's wants a BMW. The, the new LCI. He wants the new one, the updated one, and this is life cycle impulse. If you're not familiar with BMW speak, this just means... BMW gets three or four model uh, years into a particular model, they will make changes to either mm-hmm. the exterior styling, they will upgrade the interior, they will change things that pretty much everybody's taken pot shots at them about. Mm. Change well, the this cycle refresh stuff. Yeah, that's what it's called. So it's LCI is just the term for mid cycle refresh. Yeah, it's like Porsche, the nine nine one point one versus the point two. Yeah. Every car company does it differently. Mm-hmm. BMW just uses the LCI nomenclature, but it's an impor- important part of the process. It sure. allows BMW sure. to work the kinks out of and make cars better. Mm-hmm. So now with that 3 Series, the 340i, it's going to get that new wraparound screen in the interior. Mm-hmm. I believe the exterior styling is changing a little bit. He he wants the new one. It, I, it's a mild hybrid at this point. I don't know that it... I don't know that BMW is bringing out the full hybrid or plug-in hybrid technology mm. for I that car. That. I think it's sticking with the straight six at this point. Nevertheless, it'll be refreshed. It'll be mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. than the one you had. Mm-hmm. He really wants it. Should he? Should he? He does have a short list of other vehicles, much to my surprise. And I'm going to read the ones that are not BMWs, and then I'll read the ones that are BMWs. <laughs> he has a GR Corolla as an option. He has a Honda Civic Type R as an option. What about going back to the Honda Accord, but this time doing that sport two-liter turbo that he should have gotten the first time? What about a Genesis G70, mm-hmm. the turbo 3.3-liter V6 on that? We really like that. Or go a little bit bigger, get a Kia Stinger GT. Or, I know we're not surprised but because it's Sean. We do have BMWs. That's the 340i that was mentioned, the M2, the 550i, or the 240i. Sean, you're going to be amazed, but I'm going to tell you to save money this podcast. What? Wait, what? I know. Okay. All right. It's funny because some of the emails that we get, it's clear to me that the person isn't willing to spend more, but I know that by doing so, and if they can afford it, they will be happier with their decision. Mm -hmm. It won't turn into an interim car where they realize I should have just spent another 10 grand and gotten the thing that I really want. And I really would have kept that longer. Mm. Ultimately, by doing so, you save money by keeping the car longer sure, instead sure. of turning it over. In this case, though, Sean, you've got a new business and a new family. Mm. I don't mm. see any redeeming qualities about spending $55,000 plus on an M340, especially because Todd pointed out you have the definitive 3 Series. Yes. You already have that car that you love driving and you can take anywhere, anytime mm-hmm. you want. You've yep. got it already. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So to spend that much money on something else in light of you growing a business and, like I said, having a family and supporting a family, I think you should spend less. I think you should spend half to two-thirds of the budget. How very mature of you. I actually fully agree, but how very mature of you, Paul. I'm trying. Yes, well done. I mean, it's not a new leaf. Don't worry. I'm not turning over a new leaf. It's just a new leaf But you're applying the situation. I understand it, yeah. If you didn't have that BMW E46, I might be open to it. But you do. Uh-huh. Agreed. That's a key thing That's here. the car everybody wants. Every yes. enthusiast yes. wants the E46 M3. Mm-hmm. But you got it. So what about something that will still take the family, still pretty fun to drive, but it's going to cost you less in terms of purchase price, insurance, registration, title. Mm-hmm. And the way... I'm not sure you would keep that M340. Because you didn't keep your last one, mm. even though you did it right and you bought and sold yeah, it the right time. Yeah. But you you thought, well, maybe I'm a truck guy and I, my needs change, financial needs change. And so you got rid of that one. So who's to say you wouldn't uh, get rid of this one right away if you spent that much money? Okay. All right. I want you to look at the Mazda 3 Turbo. Oh, that's good. That's I know good. it's an automatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's smaller. Put the kids back there. I think you'll have a blast ripping around in one of those things. Mm. That's good. And it's just going to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be an old Lexus poking at you for a new start and an alternator. It's going to have a warranty. Mm-hmm. It's just going to run. How about an Elantra N or a Veloster N? Mm. You mentioned Civic Type R. Yes. Civic SIs. The price is going up. If you can find one, a GR Corolla, cool. Those will be made and you'll maybe eventually aspire to those. Yeah. Even if you want to stay in the BMW camp, how about a Mini Cooper? I know it's not a four-door, but 
The first car that I mentioned, I'm coming back to Mazda three turbo. That's really good. They're fast. It's mm-hmm. like a li- we compared it to the seventh generation golf R. Yeah, we did. We ended up liking the Mazda three turbo better, despite the fact that it was an automatic. Yes. Agreed. It's so good. It's a very good car. And you can find them slightly used 15, 20,000 miles on them. Spend half of your budget. Look at you. Bravo. Very, very good. Sean, I, I'm going to go a similar place to Paul, and that is I don't think you need to spend all of your money on this. I also am going to – I am going to draw a line. D- new experience, buddy. That mm-hmm. is my big thing. You, yeah. Again, it's because He's you have that definitive, the definitive experience. You have the BMW yes. that is the right BMW. Agreed. You love it. It's in great shape. You're thrilled to have it. So let's get a new experience. Let's leave BMW for this. <laughs> Shocker. I know. I'd be like telling me to leave Porsche it, for a new it, experience. It is, it is a thing. It's, I know. I need to sit down. I, I am Probably. Sitting. Yeah, it's Still. Good, good that you are. So no more BMWs right now. Okay? You're looking for your dad car, your commute car, your whole kid's car. And I agree with you, Paul. I don't think that 55 is even necessary. Really? I think you can get a year or two old. Sure. You still got a little bit of warranty. Sure. Because I also don't think that whatever Sean buys is the dad car. I don't think it's around for a long time. I agree. I don't think it's a five or 10 year car. So get something that's a year old or two years old and it's only got a little bit of warranty left and Mm -hmm. you're going to keep it for what? Two years. I, I just, I think Sean, based on this story, I don't think it stays around much longer than that. So take this as your opportunity to get new experiences while you have the definitive BMW. I do think the Genesis G70 is excellent. You can find some of those used. If you need more space, you can get yourself the Stinger. That's why you step up the Stinger. I don't know that you need something that big. I think the G70 is more interesting to drive, but you might want the larger space. Don't get another Accord. That's where you get the Civic Si. Yeah. It's it's yes. it's a better car to drive. It's a smaller car to drive. Great six-speed manual. You just get a current Si. The brand new Si is thirty grand. Brand new. You want your warranty? You want your manual? SI. Exactly. And I agree with you, Paul, that the Mazda hatchback is excellent. I am going to give you one wild card. Okay. All right. And I'm going to give it to you for a couple of reasons. You want a dad car. You love BMW. You like things that are interesting. And also, because you have had cars on both sides of the reputation spectrum, the cars that are supposed to be money picks, the cars that are supposed to be perfect, and you have had the spectrum of experience, the ones that's supposed to run doesn't, the one that's supposed to break doesn't. You've had all of the experiences. You need to get yourself in an Alpha Julia. Oh, Go drive it. It is the non-BMW. You don't need the big quadrifolio. They're awesome, but you don't need the big quadrifolio. Go get yourself a couple-year-old Alpha Julia. Probably spend half your budget. It's got that eight-speed auto. It's got the little turbo engine. I think you'd be surprisingly thrilled with that car. And I like it because it is a completely stretching new experience for you. The BMW guy buys the Alpha. And for as long as he'll have it, two years tops, he'll get enjoyment out of it. And he'll find it great. Yeah, so that's a wild card because I'm I'm pushing a lot on you there. But I I think there's an option somewhere in here that isn't a BMW. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Let us know. Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and car debates. Look forward to hearing from you. We've had a few podcasts that have run under an hour. This one's going to go over. So we're balancing out the world. Also, a <laughs> yes, reminder that 750 is coming. We will be taking questions from social media, but we will also be taking most of our questions live on the YouTube live stream. That'll be on our Test Drive videos channel. So that'll be happening there. We'll be taking questions from you, the audience, and they will not be car questions on 750. So that's fascinating. That's coming up. Occam is writing in from Twitter. I saw this. He's saying if you have 10 to 15 grand, which cheap sports car, I, w- I want both of us to answer this because I'm very curious, is the most fun? 928, 944, or 986 Boxster, which is a first-gen Boxster. I'd like you to tackle that for sure. Okay. He said, would, it, would a 996 or a 981 Cayman be stretching to get to 20K or with $25,000 in potential repairs? Do you just buy the new 86? Yeah. <clears throat> of those three that you mentioned, the Boxster is the most fun. I mean, I love the 928s. They're cool, and 944s drive really well, but they're also old. The Boxster has just held it. It's now, the 986 is kind of old, too. It is. But those driving dynamics are so good. I can't say that 928 driving dynamics are that great. They're really not. Well, but think about this. I just have a soft spot for them. The 986, the first-gen Boxster, is a 20-year-old car. Yes. But the 944, 928 are 30- to 40-year-old cars. Yes, and they drive Fine. They drive well, but they don't drive anything close to but modern. They, exactly. That Boxer still has a great modern driving experience. But again, if you're spending the money, that GR86, I always come back to it. I'm shocked that I have, mm. that I'm waving the flag for it as much as I am. 
we have every time I jump into it. Like, yeah, this is great. We we are trying to answer this question because we know it comes up. We have a Porsche Cayman mm-hmm. that cost about thirty five thousand dollars coming up against our GR eighty six. There's a really cool on road and on track video coming in December that we've already shot. That's in the post production process. <laughs> I cannot wait to share that with you because it was a fascinating. It was educational for us. Mm-hmm. Drive them back to back on road yes. on track. We had matching tires on them both from Bridgestone, which was also a new twist that we loved. I cannot wait to share that piece. It's really cool. And it plays exactly what he's asking. We have other people ask this. Worlds were colliding. I was conflicted constantly with both cars. (laughs) It's really cool. Let's see. Dustin Marshall has a good question up here at the top. Which vehicle provided to you for the specific purpose of doing massive burnouts until until the tires pop at someone else's cost? Do you each choose? Well, it's got to be a thousand plus horsepower electric car. (laughs) I want to chain it to a concrete wall. (laughs) Just not even go Turn anywhere. off all the driver aids. That's funny. I mean, if we're going to do burnouts, it's going to be all four wheels <laughs> with massive <laughs> torque and horsepower. If the purpose that's, is just to ruin tires, yes, we could get that done. That's all electric cars are good for these days. That's really aren't funny. Just massive four-wheel burnout. That's right? really, really funny. <laughs> I will give you that one. I, I would pick rear-wheel drive. It's something I can slide around a bit. I don't want to sit still and just destroy I just tires, wanna, but I see what you're doing. I mean, I can even do a four-wheel burnout autonomously. I can get out of the car and leave it chained to the concrete wall and burn out on the app. <laughs> yes. You hit the button. Yes. You do summon and then you hit burnout. Terribly awesome. <laughs> Jeremy Hartson asks, has an interesting question on Facebook. He said, with SUVs being the current do-it-all, they have replaced wagons, they've replaced sedans, the modern American buyer wants an SUV. Manufacturers want to make SUVs. But the twist that he's confused by is that everybody is trying to make an quote-unquote engaging, a performance SUV. You can hear the disdain in my voice. But (laughs) he said, so they're trying to make these large things that by their nature, by their scale, shouldn't be fun to drive. They're trying to make them fun to drive. And many manufacturers, I have to acknowledge, have done a great job. But he's saying if this is the form factor everybody wants, SUV, and then there is the subset of let's make an SUV, which isn't the right form factor, fun to drive – wouldn't they benefit from having a manual? If we're trying to make them engaging and fun, what about a manual? And his question is, which SUVs would be the best candidates for a manual? Now, first off, <laughs> never going to happen. I mean, if we're going this far, because nobody's going to buy be manuals, right? And there, for a time, there were some. Bring back the Aerostar. You better believe it. No one's going to buy this, Jeremy. I love this idea. But yes, both the, the Cayenne and the Macan should be offered as a manual. Full stop. They both should Agreed be. Agreed to that, yes. Mercedes AMG cars should all be offered as a manual. SUVs, at least cars, some of them. Maybe the, the GLC forty three, the pa- smaller, yeah, the, the, the mid grade. I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but maybe not the seven series. Maybe not the, the GLS. Sure, I take your point. But but there, there should be the AMG part of Mercedes should have manuals as options. I can understand below AMG even in their cars, no manuals. But AMG should give you the option. That's one for sure. Yeah. Yep. Mazda CX five. Yeah. Yeah. That that's an engaging SUV to drive. What if that That'd be were interesting? Manual? And what about a RAV4? Not bad. And I wonder if offering the manual again these days would juice sales. Well, the problem it, is what mm, we've run into is mm-hmm. it didn't work with sedans. The G70 True. manual was discontinued because yeah. people didn't buy it. Well, it was also the manual on the small engine which was a mistake, but yes. True, but what if it worked for SUVs? What mm-hmm. if sedans, meh, no buyers? But what if SUVs, it brought that thinking back because yeah. SUV, but I want to balance out the world. It's interesting. I wonder about this because it would be we should cool be product if it was planners. offered. Well, but see, we'd the be failed is, product planners. Yeah, but the, yeah, we'd, yeah, we'd both be fired because these yeah. are not going to sell. Yeah, we would. Jeff Wincoop says, does an active suspension system like magnetic dampers only, not air ride, actually improve the handling of a car compared to the same car with standard dampers? I think it has the potential to. You can't say that definitively in every case. Mm. But I think it has the potential because the difference between comfort and sport is so much more dramatic. Mm -hmm. And by offering that, you can still offer a very comfortable ride. So therefore, you can push even further towards hard-edged with the sport setting and make it very stiff. Mm -hmm. Even sport and sport plus Lexus has, they could even make that a bigger yeah. switch, a bigger difference. 
And so by doing that, you could say, all right, I've really stiffened the car to where it's almost, it's so uncomfortable for the street. We've experienced cars mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're great for track use. And they do turn in sharper and harder because they manage the weight of the car better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, push that far. Yes, ultimately, it has the potential to. Does it in every case? No, because you still want to be able to drive in sport mode on the street, on Agreed. a canyon road. And, and and to back up your play further here, this this is interesting, Jeff, because I would say it always improves the ride, but it doesn't always improve the handling right. to have magnetic damper. Right. The ride can be surprisingly great in any condition with mm-hmm. magnetic ride. The, the current C8 Corvette is a great example of this. The magnetic ride in that car is phenomenal. The car rides unbelievable, like beat mini luxury sedans yeah. when you turn it to comfort mode. Yeah. But then when you get on a canyon road and you crank it down into we want to go hardcore now, the car goes, let's do that. What's different is if you have a car with a really good suspension setup, it's just one, it's, this, it's just suspension. This mm-hmm. is the, all we have, suspension. One, one flavor. Typically, they have an amazing amount of handling available. If you've got a sports car with one setting, True. they handle really well, True. but you're sacrificing ride. Yeah, good point. So many more questions than we have time to get to. Guys, mm-hmm. thank you for writing to us. We really appreciate it. We record on Mondays and Thursdays for release on Tuesdays and Fridays. Social media questions, whatever's mm-hmm. on your mind, we love please that. send those to us. And we look forward to hearing from you. And we're always looking forward to next time. Really appreciate your emails. Cheers, everyone.